Hello, my loves, and welcome to the Sensitive Collective Podcast. I am your host and healing mentor, Laura Ann, and I created Sensitive Collective to be a space where empaths and sensitives can come and receive guidance, love, and support on their own healing and empowerment journey. Whether with just me or one of my guests, we show up in vulnerability to share our own stories and insights with the intention of creating a network of support for you, dear listener. Because feeling all the feels, healing from past trauma, old patterns, and learning how to navigate and fully step into your sensitivity superpowers can feel confusing and sometimes, honestly, super lonely. But you are not alone. There are more of us empaths and sensitives waking up to our nature every single day. And the work you're doing to heal yourself and claim your power is the work that will transform both you and the entire world. And it's why we're here. So join me on this sacred journey of self-discovery, self-love, and self-healing. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll do it all together. I'm so happy you're here. Enjoy. My loves, welcome to another episode of the Sensitive Collective Podcast. I am so happy to be here with Gail Barrand today, former engineer and energy practitioner for the last 25 years, such a gifted healer and author of Energy is Real, a practical guide for managing personal energy in daily life. Gail, welcome to the Sensitive Collective Podcast. Thank you so much, Laura, and it's a pleasure to be here. uh, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to chatting about my favorite subject. Yes, (laughs) I am too. And I just, you have such a beautiful light energy, uh, Uh, a a smile that goes on for days. Um, (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here in the space. And I'm, I'm especially excited because you bridge two worlds that that I'm fascinated by, that I'm really interested in, in learning about. And um, and that is the world of science and the world of spirituality. And it's something I, I really endeavor to bring into this show um, because I feel there's an element of, um, you know, different chakras and different energies present in these two different perspectives. We think about the divine masculine to the divine feminine. We think about the upper chakras and the lower chakras, even the more grounded, practical energy of the, the analytical scientific self, and then the more um, eth- esoteric, ethereal nature of the upper chakras and the spiritual self. And so, um, and then the center uh, and the, the road that connects them um, being our heart center as well. Um, and, and that kind of bridge between science and spirituality, which I believe are two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know that's a bit of an intro. I know, <laughs> but it's good. It's a good one. <laughs> oh, but I'd love to hear your perspective. Um, and just, you know, just briefly, like, I mean, engineer to, to energy worker, that's a pretty big shift. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you told me back in my my early 30s or 20s and early 30s that I'd be a healer one day, I would have laughed because it was <laughs> so not in my world. And, um, and, you know, if anything was, well, I hadn't even heard of channeled material at that point, right? But, uh, but I was very much a left brain logical skeptic. 
uh, I wouldn't even, and I was anti-religion. I wasn't, I, I wasn't atheist because I thought that's taking a position that we really don't know. So mm. I was an agnostic, which is basically saying, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know but, but, you know, no, I, I was, uh, I, my, I had a strong anti-religious bias and, um, and so I wouldn't even allow Bible in my house. And by uh, so the only close, the only semi-spiritual experience I ever had before then was really just being in nature, you know, being in in a blizzard or some some, you know, impressive natural. Even just looking up at the stars and that sort of thing. But I had nothing, no frame of reference or anything on the spiritual level. Like we're talking now, I wouldn't have. It was not part of my world. Gail, can I ask if that always felt to be the case for you or if as a child you felt a little more imaginative and open to what looking back would be the spiritual world? Because for me, yeah, that was true. And, and I think um, I'm seeing a lot of similarities. You know, I was yeah. very against religion. I was raised in a very, you know, religious household. My family, Southern Baptist and, oh, I... and, um, you know, went through a whole, a whole journey, um, and very similar, like agnostic, because who am I to say, what yeah, exactly. There? Like maybe there's something, I don't know. And exactly. even when I got started with massage, it was very structural, practical, going to work with a chiropractor and a physical therapist and, you know, like I was such as I didn't believe energy was real either. Oh, so interesting. But when wow. I look back as a kid, I was totally yeah. tapped in and plugged into all of it. I, and that, that's true, actually. In, but it took me becoming a healer to realize it. Uh. <laughs> I was gone from my memory, right? It was so far back. But I, yeah. I, I, I recall that I uh, was very sensitive. I always picked up a lot on people's emotional states and things like that. Um, but nobody would, you know, people, adults deny things <laughs> and you don't know that as okay. a kid, right? So you just think they call you making it up or where'd you get that idea? You know? And so they dismiss those, that information mainly because they don't want you to know, right? But you don't know as a child that that's what they're doing, right? You just, you say, well, let's, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, you know, maybe, maybe I made it up and that, and, or they'll say you're imagining things, right? So I think so many people, that's what happens to them when they're young, sensitive yeah. children, they, they, it's the information that they're bringing forth to their parents to, to, you know, validate is being dismissed. And so they dismiss it themselves, yeah, and, and I, I do wonder when I think about that, um, you know, how many generations back of adults have had that done to themselves as yeah. children. Yeah. And they just are consistently doing that to themselves yes. as well. Yes. Right. Discussing yeah. those those intuitive. Absolutely. It, absolutely. It's just oh, it's just like a figment of my imagination. Or it's just crazy thinking or whatever. Yeah. And and you know, as a child, you get you get rebuffed enough times you take, mm. you figure the adults know. And so you, you just start filtering out that information. It's still there, but your brain is, has learned to filter it out. So you don't even notice it at that point. It's uh, it's not part of your reality anymore. Yeah. Uh, although I do remember having a few, either they were either dreams or daydreams where I was really playing in the spheres. You know, I was getting these concepts of, paradox you know who who would have think of that as a as a small child that you'd be thinking about a paradox but i'd be holding an image of something infinitely tiny yet 
uh, massively heavy. So, and, and I like the sensation of that. I remember thinking of that in my brain, holding that concept that there was something, maybe I was thinking of a black hole or something, you know, where it's, it's minuscule, but it weighs impossible. It's incredibly heavy, like vast mm-hmm. and minuscule at the same time and, and uh, able to hold that concept in my brain. And, it, and it, I played with it because it, it's, it felt like it tickled my brain, you know, in a way. So I didn't tell anybody about it, but I, I remember having a few little experiences like that before, you know, where I was, uh, and I didn't, the idea just occurred to me. So it wasn't like I, I set out to find out. It was just, oh, that's weird. <laughs> you know, this is so, <laughs> small and big at the same time. How did that happen? Right. So um, I guess that was a form of energy awareness too, right? Because there are certainly, there are certainly, um, things in the universe that have those properties but I didn't know that at the time I was uh just that was just an example of some little playful tapping into something yeah and just the the permission that we have as kids to playfully tap in and to utilize our imagination um I always when I when I start thinking about this I always think of the movie Hook with oh yeah and oh how in neverland it's imagination that allows you to you know to fly and to see all the all the the amazing invisible food and things that that are there and um you know when robin williams peter pan coming back as a grown peter pan has <laughs> completely cut himself off and disassociated mm-hmm. himself from the power of imagination and the magic that lies within it and it isn't until he you know really believes that he can even see and then a whole new world opens up sees things that that didn't exist and weren't there just moments before and i always to me that that is what it is right yeah start to step into belief um around energy it's it's that that's the magic that allows us to work with it. Yes. And and for me, you know, I had to have physical proof. Yeah. So <laughs> so, tell me about that, if you so, will. Because that's how closed I was, right? Uh, I, you know, if it, and, you know, science, that's it. Only the physical is real. And so um, that's kind of your, your, your baseline, right? As if you think of yourself as a scientist. And, and it's certainly how the scientific approach is always focused on what you can measure physically and and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So for me, what happened, what got me, what changed me was I had, uh, so I was very successful in my career and and that sort of thing. And, um, and uh, I had a a boyfriend whom I loved and we were living together. We'd been together four years. We were looking at buying a house and and talking about kids and, and all of that stuff. And so in my left brain, logical, neat, ordered mind, I was on my path to, you know, the usual uh, house in the suburbs, 2.5 kids and the whole thing. And, and so I was rudely awakened. And when, um, when I just when I thought everything was moving nicely in the um, envisioned uh, direction, I was rudely awakened when my partner uh, he basically um, secretly started seeing somebody else, even while we were living together. Mm-hmm. And I didn't 
I didn't know it except there were clues, but I was too close, too too dumb to notice the that the clues being that he was becoming more and more irritated with me, mm-hmm. and uh, and I suspect that was like guilt eating away at him and and playing yeah. it that way. But in the anyway, I found out one night, um, and he was yeah becoming more rude and that sort of thing. And one night, uh, he, he had always been good about letting me know if he was going to be late coming home. Um, late for dinner and so but when I he didn't he didn't call or anything he didn't show up and I was worried and I was calling the police and calling hospitals and that sort of thing to find out if he'd been in an accident or whatever nothing and he finally came in around 5 30 in the morning oh my goodness and uh and um I I called out from the bedroom I hope you have a good excuse and his response was, do you want me to sleep in the other room? Wow. So uh, I thought, oh, my my heart dropped. And I thought, okay, uh, no, I want you to, and we need to talk. And that's when I discovered that all of this was going on. And that, uh, and, and because we had been best friends as well as, you know, partners, um, it's like a load came off his chest. He could talk about it, but he totally insensitive to how I would receive being told about this girl who was so cute and all that. Yes. Sort of thing. I really wanted to. And anyway, so it was it was heartbreaking. Uh, and I eventually, um, it was my apartment. So eventually, uh, once I got over the shock, I kicked him out and uh, ended up. I was heartbroken. I was devastated. My whole future. Yeah. My whole future that I had neatly envisioned was gone. It was just like a, a, the earth had opened up and swallowed up my future, and there was just a crevasse. And and I and my a devastation. I was totally unprepared for emotional devastation as an engineer. I was in my head all the time, and suddenly my heart's ripped uh, open. Right? Oh my gosh! And, and I ended up, you know, going into a spiral of despair. Basically, I fell into the abyss, and. Um, and what happened to me as I was uh, going into this spiral was, uh, you know, how the ego can kick you when you're down. Yeah. All the, all the judgmental thoughts about myself, you know, you're not good enough. Nobody will ever love you. Why would anybody love you? All of that uh, self-loathing type, of, which I don't know yeah. where it came from, inner, but it suddenly emerged. Really, yeah, it was, really vicious. it was vicious. It was vicious. And I, it just, caused me to send further to the point where I I felt, well, if I can't have love, what's the point of living? So I got to a point of of contemplating suicide. Was, and and I just surrendered to the pain of of this annihilation basically in my heart. And and as I was thinking, you know, I'm I'm totally worthless, unlovable, etc. I suddenly had an experience where I heard I heard these words in my head out of nowhere, but I love you. Oh, I have full body chills. Yeah, it's what I got. I got those full whole body chills out of nowhere. This words, at least expected words that I would have to get receive in that moment. And it was accompanied by a rush of energy, a golden pink rush of energy down the top of my head, all the way down to my feet, filling every cell with this glorious love. And it was just like, whoa, my mind was blown. What was that? And and it was, and I felt held. I felt every atom of my being was known and seen and cherished. 
and even my flaws were cherished. You know, it's like they're cute. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, like a, an ugly dog looks cute to some people, right? But, so even my flaws were cute in the eyes of this vast, loving intelligence. And and as I and as I was sort of being held in this, I I could call it a cosmic embrace or a cosmic hug. I was just felt for the first time in my life fully seen mm-hmm. and loved even with it could see everything it loved me anyway and then what I felt was uh, I, I I was transported into sort of cosmic dimensions as this was happening and it, it, I was basically shown that this love is for all of us I wasn't being singled out for special attention that I was just it was just being revealed to me in my misery that I was I was mistaken that I was loved and that this, so that was the big opening for me was realizing that the, 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 there is intelligence out there and it's loving and benign and cares about us. It's, it, it's both, it felt both vast and personal at the same time. So it's, mm. it's like in my cells and yet it was also in the cosmos. So there's that paradox, right? Yeah. Uh, and, um, and so it it blew my mind. My mind was kind of dumbfounded, and uh, but I didn't care because it was so wonderful what I was experiencing. And because it was such a visceral experience, if it had just been words, I probably could have dismissed them or maybe ignored them. But it was accompanied by that energy. And so, um, and it totally transformed my state of mind, right, from, from mm-hmm. near suicidal thoughts to joy and and exhilaration and, and gratitude, deep, deep gratitude. And um, and so after that experience, I my engineer mind finally kicked in. Open mouth like what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you know. I had to find out what that was, right? That was that's what oh. they turned me into a seeker. I was gonna say, and then the seeking begins. That I feel like your began. story, Gail, it's it's such a beautiful unwinding of um the Rumi quote that the wound is where the light enters. It's like yes. a literal story for you. Um, yes, absolutely. It's so beautiful. And I got that later on as I was, you know, because as you can imagine, I revisited that whole experience many, mm. many times in my personal healing journey. But but uh, I got that basically a message from spirit that they that my heart had been closed, so I couldn't mm. access spirit. Mm. And so in my mind, it didn't exist, right? And it, it took my heart being broken open mm. for that that access to happen. And so it's like... I'm deeply grateful for that experience now, even yeah. though it was heartbreaking. Yeah. It was also the most emo- amazing um, gift for my life. And so uh, I became really interested in what was that. That was my very first energy experience and that I knew about. And, and, uh, and so I became hungry to know more. And that led to first an intellectual exploration because I didn't know where to, I didn't have any frame of reference for it. So it was yeah. the closest thing I could come to was like near death experience or something like that. I heard about those. So I started reading about those and those led to, you know, things like um, 
stories where people have been, been regressed too far into the Bardo state and, and that sort of thing. So I became really hungry and not, suddenly from being closed, I went wide open and I was interested in everything and anything I could get my hands on about that. Um, so that it took about 10 years of that exploration where I finally opened up to, mm. you know, some of the metaphysical concepts that Louise Hay talked about. And, and Wayne mm. Dyer was a favorite of mine too, because he was so practical. <laughs> I liked that. And yet he spoke about the things like, uh, like spirit and, and as well as just human nature. So uh, that gave me enough of an understanding just, and that was, the intellectual journey but it got me to a place where i realized it took about 10 years but when i realized that um i still hadn't healed the wound yeah and, and i realized that that if a wound if it's uh, an emotional wound if it's left untreated can lead to physical illness mm -hmm. over time it takes a long time and i was getting a sense an intuitive sense that if I didn't deal with that, I would become ill in some way. So there was, it, I wasn't sick yet, didn't have any symptoms, but there was this intuitive punch of don't mm. put this off. And so that's what led me, first of all, the, on my own personal healing journey, and then to become a healer as, as, as a, that unfolded. It is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And I, I feel, I relate to so many pieces of that. And I think one that I'd love to revisit is just this idea of what spirit shared with you that your heart was closed and you couldn't connect with spirit. That is, that is such a common yeah. experience for empaths and sensitives. Yes. They've had to close their heart to protect themselves yeah. and it's cut them off from their spiritual gifts, from their sensitivity, superpowers, and from being able to have that that nourishing experience and relationship with mm -hmm. spirit, with source, with the divine, you know, whatever language you'd like to use around that. And yes. so um, I, I'm curious, you know, as you've in your own journey of being a healer for the last uh, 25 years, being an energetic practitioner, <laughs> um, what what advice or insight or guidance would you like to offer any listeners who feel disconnected and like they have a wall around their heart? Mm. Well, the wall around the heart is put there by themselves at some time in their life to protect themselves from something that was too painful to yeah. experience, usually at a very young age. And maybe it was an abusive family situation or, or whatever. Um, and so the way out is, is to be curious about mm -hmm. what's going on in there and to be kind to yourself. Always be kind to yourself about, because we, we tend to be judgmental of ourselves, right? If our hearts close, it's going to be closed towards ourselves as well. Right. Yeah. So, and, uh, and often we're harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else. And so I would suggest, a, 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 there's some, um, uh, have you heard of heart math? It's, yes, uh, they yes, have a beautiful, yeah. So they basically, they've discovered that the heart itself produces a, a, an energy field way bigger than even the brain, the brain's field. And so, and it affects the brain and can, and so one of the simple 
techniques uh, they teach is to just think of something you're grateful for. And, uh, and I like to, I, I use this all the time for myself. I use it with clients and that sort of thing. It's just a, such a simple thing we can do for ourselves, a little self-care thing, is you just put your hands on your heart and you just allow the warmth of your hands to soak down through your chest into your heart and let the heart just open up like a flower and take in that warmth, right? You just sort of imagine that you know, like a tightly closed bud and then gently opening and furling in the warmth of your hands and just letting that nourish it, right? And uh, and then as we, and then expanding that warmth into the rest of your body, just imagining it. And then um, allowing, uh, allowing every cell to take in that warmth and then invite your brain, your mind, your intellect to just rest in the heart. So nothing, you know, it's so overworked. It's, mm. I, my brain was too happy to say, oh, great. I can rest now because it, it was taking care of everything, right? Everything <laughs> delegated to the brain, to the intellect. And so it was like so nice for my left brain logical mind to just rest as if it was in a comfy hammock in my heart and just allow that warmth to, and just to take that in. But so that was the first step, right? Because now the heart's starting to feel like a safe place. Mm-hmm. And then, and then as you're sitting there, you then you imagine or you think of somebody you deeply love, or you think of think of something, someone or something you're deeply grateful for. And it, it, and some people they may have difficulty with human relationships. But they get along with pets, you know, or with an animal. So they might think of their their cat or their dog or some something they can love unconditionally without fear, right? So yeah, bring to mind someone or something that you love or something that you're deeply, deeply grateful for. Mm-hmm. And uh, and all of us, even those who had lives of abuse, have can, can typically think of at least one person who was kind to them. And they're, you know, maybe it's a grandparent or something who, who was there for them uh, some of the time. And so they can think of that person, you know, and that then allows you to, in the energy of gratitude, opens the heart and and love for someone else opens your heart and so you allow that love to expand and that gratitude to expand again to fill your whole field and and then then i say this is your love mm-hmm. allow it allow it to nourish you too and allow it to nourish every one of yourselves And then we just sit in that. Mm. And in that that loving space, spirit can enter. And you can ask any question you want of your heart, of your of your higher self, of God, any any spiritual being you feel interested in connecting with. In that in that space where your heart's open, you'll receive insights. You know, they might come as just a thought or a word, or it might be. You might even get a little vision of something, a little like a daydream of something, and just allow it. Uh, you just um, allow what wants to come to come, and 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 just enjoy, sit there and enjoy that as long as feels right. And then you just gently bring your awareness back to your body and breathe and ground. And um, and then I I would. Uh, uh, Usually you find your complete emotional state has has transformed from 
I haven't, I don't know anybody who hasn't been transformed by that experience, right? Even if, even if it's short lived, they'll, they can acknowledge that uh, that simple little self care trick changes your state. And, and I, so I highly recommend doing it when you really need it. I recommend doing it anytime, but one thing uh, that I do recommend is, is to practice it because as you practice it, now the engineer is going to speak as you practice it, <laughs> as you practice it, you're actually building new neural pathways. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so the, the, um, the body and the brain is designed to work with energy. So it knows what to do. So as you practice it, the, it's like the brain is saying, Oh, okay. So we're doing this now. And so it strengthens the the neural pathways for that experience. And every time you practice it, they get stronger. And um, and then it becomes a habit. And one of the things you can do as you're practicing it is you can uh, you can anchor it with some little tiny physical gesture, you know, like mm-hmm. a hidden gesture, like maybe you squeeze your little finger or or your earlobe or something in, inconspicuous, but it'll imprint that little uh, sensation uh, to the neural pathways and it becomes an anchor that mm-hmm. you can access, you can use to trigger that state. So you, can, you can bypass the process and go straight to the, the desired state of loving and, and, and grateful and all that because the, the brain will wire that state into the neural pathways and associate it with that little trigger. So now you have something you can take with you into your daily life right? So this is me talking about energy of daily life. You, you, um, you nervous before an interview, you, you, um, you squeeze your little baby finger and boom, you're in this state of love and gratitude, right? Now you enter into your interview and you blow them away because you're such an amazing person, right? And our energy affects others. And um, there's this concept called harmonic induction, which occurs when you, um, when you take two tuning forks that are both the same tuned to the same note and you strike one, the other one starts to hum too. So our fields work the same way. And so, and the stronger and higher vibration has a, has influences the one that's lower. And so uh, we don't have to tell them what we're doing. All we're doing is raising our own frequency but because of harmonic induction. It's uh, it's going to affect their field too. And, and so that's going to put people in a, a more positive state and more a relaxed and enjoyable state. And so it's a very powerful tool that you can use for your own benefit, and it will have positive effects on those around you as well. I love that. And that right there, too, it's a perfect example of how working with healing yourself actually heals and makes an impact in the world around you. Um, and, and you know, I, I feel really called to speak to the, you know, I, I talk about this a lot, you know, the, the power that we have to choose to vibrate at a higher level, the power that we have to choose to shift into a higher vibrational state. And I want to really, you know, just kind of play around and get curious and let's talk about the difference between that and what we can see in the wellness world and in the spiritual world often 
um, which is a, a kind of toxic positivity and like a gaslighting yourself kind of where there's such a, there's such a difference between what you've just walked us through and, and uh, many other tools, right? There's so many resources available for us yeah. that we can actively step into to really shift energy within ourselves. And that there's such a difference between that and suppressing our emotional state mm. because we don't want to feel what we're feeling. Yeah. There may be, there may be some similarities in motivation there. There may be some crossover, right? Of like, for example, your, your example of the interview, I'm feeling really anxious before my interview. I don't want to feel anxious because I, you know, I need to go in there and really blow them out of the water um, versus, you know, I'm feeling really anxious. I shouldn't feel anxious. I don't want to right. feel anxious. I'm just, you know, labeling it as a bad feeling. Yes. And it's just it, which yeah. as it happens also doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. It just, um, and maybe it'll work in the moment for a moment, but you're going to see like some real, um, you know, effects of that long term, uh, whether it's anxiety or grief or anger or, you know, fill in the yeah. lower, denser frequency emotion experience, right? That if we continue to tell ourselves, oh, I shouldn't feel that way, or I should just be grateful because it could be worse or just keep smiling or right, look right. on the brighter side, right? And like channeling that Pollyanna energy, yes, um, that yes. toxic positivity that is really programmed into our culture um it's like how there's such a difference and it, yes it's so obvious when it, there's such a difference in the the approach and the path that is walked between the two yes uh, and 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 it's a much kinder way to be with yourself and 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 ultimately that's what will open your heart because the heart's afraid of being beaten again right so yes. it's not going to respond to bullying it, you know, it's if you bully, it's like oh, open heart. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah, you know. Shut up, heart. Why are you so sad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, get over it. You know, <laughs> which we probably heard in our childhood, right? You know, I mean, yeah. didn't. That's why we shut it off in the first place, right? Yeah. Because because our sensitivity wasn't honored, and, and and we were people were impatient with us or or judged us, and and uh, and we we recorded that in our in our memory. And, and then we own, we, we live it, our, we do it to ourselves later yeah. on. So, yeah. And, and, and that's such a big lesson for most of us. And, and I'm still learning it, you know, about oh, being yeah. kind to myself. It's because there are times when I will slip into ego and the ego will start bullying and I'll find myself digging my heels and refusing to do what my ego wants. And, um, uh, but not really, but then in this state of defense, right. Which isn't, actually helpful either and so um and so uh it takes now that i've done this enough i you know i i may slip into that state briefly and then i'll remember ooh, this doesn't feel good <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. and then i'll remember oh, okay let's, let's what did would yeah. i prefer right now and then i'll switch to a more empowered state yeah and and then once you're in the empowered state then you're in a position to actually do some healing on yourself and that means the key thing about emotions is they don't go away. Uh, so if you repress them, they're not, they're not gone. They're still there, yeah. mm -hmm. but you're just not aware of them. Yeah. And, uh, and so they, they have no place to flow and emotions are, are not bad or good. They're neutral and, and they're natural. And um, they're, they're just information. They, they're just information and, and uh, uh, they're meant to flow. Yeah. And so 
that's when you feel them is when they flow. And so you have to, it, it takes a while to relearn, to, to learn this habit, but to find a place where you can be undisturbed. So you're not going to do it in the middle of a busy meeting, but right. uh, or in the middle of a traffic jam <laughs> or, in the middle of a traffic jam, or in the middle of an argument, right? Cause so yeah. with your, your significant other, you may have to take a breather. You, you say, look, um, I need a, I need to take a moment and you might go for a walk or go to the bathroom or something where you can be with yourself and then uh, a place where you can allow yourself to feel. And, and, um, and so you do have to give yourself that kindness to find a place where, or, or just, just tell yourself, look, I, 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 I feel what's going on and I'm going to need some space to think about this. And, um, and so once you've given yourself a chance to be with you, then you can access that emotion all over again and just be with it, allow it to flow. There's information in it. And, you know, if you're angry about something, it's because something, one of your important boundaries got violated, at least something that you believe is important got violated. It may may not actually be important, but because you believe it is, you're going to get angry if somebody does something against what you want. And, uh, and that's a natural, healthy response. It's just a message saying that you, you know, something's been, you feel that some boundary of yours has been crossed and you, it's a message to take action of some sort. Now, if we're really, have got a really distorted idea of what's happened and all that if we're, you know, in our stuff, then we may take action that we regret, but uh, ideally it's better to sit with the emotion and the unfold in a safe environment where you can get all the information, not just the first take, right? You get all the, and, and also um, you can also help release it. It, it. it actually dissipates as you allow it to reveal itself. It's like, it's done its job. It's informed you. And then, then you can, you calm down and then you're in a place to take appropriate action. So now you're not going to come from a triggered place. You're going to come from a, a more balanced place and then you can decide you know i even though i'm angry at him i still love him for example and um so i don't want to do anything to hurt him but i we do need to sort this out so now you're in a, a, a more calm place where you can start to find your words and and um and be willing to listen to his side of it too because you may realize that in your in your upset, you were dismissing him and that he might have an important message, right? So, um, yeah, so it's really learning to dance with your energy and to trust it as mm -hmm. part of the information in your field while realizing that you also carry, we all do, carry imprints from childhood. That is conclusions that we drew about life and about ourselves and others, right? Mm -hmm. That color how we perceive things. Mm -hmm. And it's that what we're responding to emotionally is to our perceptions, not necessarily the truth. So it's the it's the truth that's gotten filtered by those those conclusions that we drew at a young age, right? And uh, and so that was why it triggers us because we're telling ourselves we're worthless. It's not that they're telling us we're worthless. They're behaving in a way that we interpret as dismissing our worth, but it may not necessarily be the case. And um, and so what we're getting angry about is what is our interpretation of what's happening. And it's so important, I think, thank you for, it's such a 
I think a really clear the engineer in you explains yeah. that so well. And it's so important um, to, to be able to, and you, you mentioned this earlier, and I'm always talking about inviting inquiry, invite inquiry, invite yes. inquiry, be the curious observer, be the curious observer. And, you know, just again, finding that space where you feel safe enough to do that and give yes. yourself permission to be the explorer of your emotional landscapes and just exactly you know, really give yourself permission to be curious about it because that's one of the ways that we move energy through our system and how your experience of intuitively knowing you know if i if i don't work on this deep wound in my heart i will get sick um mm -hmm. i you know i dismissed some of the intuitive <laughs> pulls in that direction that yeah. i had I did get sick, I yeah. got very sick for a number of years, which is also, wow. I think for our listeners, um, you know, for empaths and sensitives out there, it's a very common experience um, that we haven't learned and been taught or modeled how to effectively uh, have good energetic hygiene and yeah. move energy and process our emotions and create that space to be the curious observer. And so the energy gets stuck. Yeah. And then we yeah. start to see dis-ease and symptoms yes. surfacing within our mental, emotional, physical, energetic selves. Um, and and then, you know, some more acute, direct, uh, drastic actions need to be taken to, to really manage that. Uh, but it is something that daily work can really make a huge impact on. And I think that's that it comes back kind of full circle to your book. And, and one of the big things that, that I work on with myself, <laughs> always my first student is myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then my clients as well. And it sounds like we have this in common. Yes. It's, it's little actions every day. Yeah. Cumulatively that really make the difference. Um, yes, grand gestures are amazing. Yes, the huge Kundalini awakening is an incredible experience, right? Yes, the, the big stuff is is great when it happens. Yeah. But really, it's the consistency of showing up to create a little space for ourselves and turning towards ourselves with grace and love and compassion yes. every single day Absolutely. that moves the needle forward. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like that uh you know practical guide for managing personal energy in your daily life right that yes your book that that's yeah. a big part of what you practice and what you teach yes as well. absolutely absolutely and uh and actually i wrote the book um along with my friend uh, claudette who's also an energy healer because uh, when i was working with clients i would teach them some of these skills mm -hmm. and uh and they would go home and they would forget so they would they say, can you write it down? <laughs> <laughs> and so Claudette said, yeah, I'm getting the same thing from my clients. So, so we collaborated. Let's write a book and, um, combining both my uh, experiences and learnings and hers. And, and it was that was an adventure in itself, collaborating on a book and uh, brought up plenty of stuff, which was perfect because we now had content. <laughs> <laughs> It's all the journey, right? Maybe, we learned so much. Content for the next book, but <laughs> <laughs> we, but um, but uh, yeah, it was and it was fabulous for me because for to bring both sides of my being together, the high mm -hmm. healer and and the left brain logical side, uh, the one who 
from engineering went into technical writing and stuff like so how-to books is what I was had yeah. been writing before you know um for software and stuff like that <laughs> so suddenly I get to write about how-to for energy and that was I was in heaven uh, because I, as for so many years, the two halves of me had lived two separate lives, right? Even though they're at the same time, uh, I uh, because even as a healer, I still had a day job, and so um, which gave me plenty of chance to practice my skills. And um, <laughs> so for me, it was a joy to. I loved writing it because so Claudette was not a writer, but. Um, she participated by, uh, uh, I would interview her, hmm. uh, for, you know, or, or we would, we would, um, she would guide me through an exercise, for example, and we would record it. And so what she did then was she transcribed the recording Yes, and then I took it and then turned it into the prose for the for the book using my writerly skills. And, uh, so it was a good coll- collaboration. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's so beautiful that you're both able to really honor and respect one another's process. And, and I only recently had the discovery that creatively, I really am a verbal processor. And so for me, it's the same if I'm working on anything, I've I've got to I speak it out and then, you know, transcribe it. And, um, and I think uh, often for channels that can feel like it's the case. Yeah, um, you know that when we're really open and we're just receiving information, it's that it's easier for us to speak it. Not always, you know, it depends yeah. on I think your own. Like you're talking neural pathways. What's your learning yes. style? Yeah. If you're more of a writer, then you're going to be channeling through your writing. Um, but it it's so beautiful to see both of you stepping into your creative process and and making something that's so valuable for everyone. Yeah. And and uh, it's true that I'm comfortable with writing, so it doesn't intimidate me. And uh, and I, I I also channel in sessions, but not written. There it comes out verbally because I don't have my hands free to write. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just speaking it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But uh, and then later I'll write notes for my own, you know, because there'll be information that's valuable to both me and the client. And so I'll. I'll take notes uh, as best as I can recall them afterwards. But I'm curious, yeah. Gail, just uh, something that popped in here for a moment. Um, what your thoughts are on the idea of human technology? Is that a phrase that you've heard that you're uh, I'm not sure what you mean by that? No. So, so it's the idea more now that I'm seeing and and feeling into that, um, that we're in, as we're sort of upgrading, right, with our spiritual awakening as a as a species, and maybe unlocking areas of our our DNA. And you know, we think about epigenetics and ancestral healing, right, that Mm -hmm. that really looking at all of these really from all, all the way down to you know to, to dna and in the quantum realm um that as a as a physical form it's a kind of it's a human technology when we think okay. about like the the mind body spirit as an instrument of consciousness yes yes as an instrument in and of itself yes there's already that language there yes piece of technology 
Yeah, and and we mustn't confuse ourselves with our bodies. Mm -hmm. Like the body is a vehicle, and yeah. we made it. We made yeah. it. I mean, we 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 if you like coalesced it or incarnate or or created it from energy into matter, and um, so our spirit created it basically. But we it isn't our spirit. It's just an aspect of who we are while we're yes. here we the don't need it self. we only need it here for a particular purpose so yes. when we come in for our, a, a particular life um we choose the parents um you know that we choose the genetics we choose all of that stuff that there's your human technology coming in right as spirit as we're preparing for our next life we're looking to see who would be the right parents for me not only the genetically but also from their personalities and and their their issues and stuff like that because all of that is helpful for our development and working uh, and, through our karma is really yeah and and i just see karma as as our homework not yep. not not any kind of punishment or anything like that it's more about developing uh as as a spirit so developing the, our capacity to love of and, earth is right yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I kind of think of earth as kind of a playpen really so. <laughs> yeah i guess if you don't have a if you, if you don't uh have a great history with academics in school that can feel maybe a little bit challenging to think of earth as a classroom or it is a playground and it's also a playpen yeah. where we can experiment without damaging anything else in creation right it's like the, the, we have we've established little boundaries and limits around this little planet and um where we temporarily believe we're a body and temporarily believe that's all there all we are for purposes of focusing our attention on certain experiences and and like for example one of the themes uh, that i've learned i also became a past life therapist before i i became an energy healer so i and got to I did yeah. you did you train did, was that through hypnosis with Dolores Cannon or yeah, where, no what? no it was through um it, it was the tech techniques taught by Chris Griscom okay. which is a form of uh, she used a form of acupressure to induce oh. um, altered states and then um acupressure and a type of mas cranial massage and that sort of thing to induce an altered state so the person is still conscious but uh and you're not trying to suggest anything, but you are except asking questions to explore, to open them up to um, uh, see what what might need to come up. So, so it's interesting because I've only ever by yourself, right? So you're not you're not picking an era or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I've only ever had experiences with being able to connect with past life when I'm in a state of myofascial unwinding in a myofascial ah, either with a with a guide or, or by myself yeah. doing the work yeah so and and it's actually available to us it's in our field yeah. so it is available to us and um so it that, that puts you in that uh, sort of a susceptible state where you can you sort of suspend your disbelief and you and, and part of the work is to encourage the client to trust whatever comes, whatever impressions yeah. come, mm -hmm. and and just speak them out. And it's okay if they don't make sense because some of the experiences aren't earthly, you know. And and yeah. sometimes and sometimes they may just be a symbolic experience because energy awareness can come in symbolic forms. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but there are themes that we work on through that that are so big it takes multiple lifetimes. To work through them for example the theme of power 
-hmm. and the wise use of power. Mm -hmm. So when we first start out, I like to think we're gods in training. Uh, we're we're little godlets. <laughs> That's why I think of Earth as a playpen, right? We're we're two year olds right now. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> That's uh, what we're we're getting better. Maybe we're teenagers by now, but, but early in our history, it was you know you grab what you want, you hit the other kid. You know, and they take your thing. And so there's this, this sort of primitive thing, which still shows up in us as two-year-olds, right? So uh, I forgot my thread, but, um, oh, okay, yes, power, the wise use of power. So there's an evolution that happens, and it takes multiple lifetimes before we finally learn the wise use of power. And so as you can imagine, as beginners, we're not very wise. And so we we tend to... I. I I think the early lifetimes, we tend to be like a two-year-old who goes after what he wants and then screams if he doesn't get it, that sort of thing. And so we do that in, in even as adults in that stage where we're, you know, like in the case of somebody will, a caveman will take another caveman's partner, you know, or take a woman because he wants her and that sort of thing. But her brother didn't like that or her, her father or whatever, and they beat him up or kill him. Uh, more likely, it was the latter. And so in the dying, sort of, they suddenly get this realization, well, that didn't work. <laughs> and so, and because and, they didn't intend to die. And uh, and they realize that people, for the first time, that other people have feelings too, and they don't like certain. So the next life, um, they may decide to do things more, you know, maybe not go after what they want. And then they find themselves being abused. And so, uh, and then, so that doesn't work either. So you're, but you're now beginning to understand even better. And this is kind of where the idea of karma comes in. You're under, beginning to understand even better what it feels like to be on the receiving end of the uh, things that you put out before. And, you know, it's, it's, it's literally the experience of walk a mile in my shoes. Yeah. You know? So that's what, car in my opinion, that's what karma is. It's just the outworking of your development and the, the experiences you need to have to, to get it. To, and so to develop compassion, which is essential for the wise use of power, to develop compassion, you're going to have to go through a few miserable lifetimes. And uh, you're going to go through lifetimes where you are both an abuser and a victim. And so you don't, in the end, you don't identify with either, but for a while you might identify with one of them. You might think, well, abusers are bad, so I'm not going to use my power. And so you find yourself a, a target of abusers who are exactly looking for people who won't assert their power because otherwise they don't feel powerful, right? Their, their objective is to feel powerful. And so like any bully, they're not looking for people who will fight back. They're looking for people who are easy targets. And so those people who've rejected their own power because they think power is bad, right? The, and we make decisions like that as children in this life, right? If we yeah. grew up in an abusive situation, maybe an alcoholic parent who beat us or whatever, we'd say, if that's what power is, I don't want it, yeah. right? That's the kind of conclusion we'll make as a small child. And so we will be pleasing, we'll be helpful, we'll be doing everything except asserting what we want because we've associated that with abuse. And uh, and so then we get abused. And until some, we get to some lifetime where we've had enough of that. 
and we may kill our abuser or we may you know, run away or do something to assert our independence and our freedom. And then um, eventually we, we move through lifetimes where we have a wise mentor who shows us, demonstrates through their very being uh, what, what uh, the wise use of power looks like. Somebody who's compassionate and caring and yet not disempowering so that they will let us make our mistakes and then be handy, be there for us when we when we need comforting, and then they'll help us to understand what happened. So we start to grow, and you start to realize, wow, so power can be used in a positive way to empower others, to help them develop in a safe way, and and to you know encourage them and and that sort of thing, and to, and to act on your own creation, bring forth your own creations, right? It's a creative power. And ultimately, ultimately, I believe, since we're all fragments of the divine, which is a creator, we're creators too. And that is what gives us our greatest yes! joy, right? Yes, preach! <laughs> yeah, and, that's, and that is no, it's no accident that it gives yeah. us joy to create, right? Yeah. And so to acknowledge that creation is a form of power too. And so that's a wonderful journey. It's, it hurts like hell at the beginning when we're when we're learning and so here we are on this planet where we're all learning different lessons and we tend to attract others who are learning the same lesson in different stages of development right and and uh, over time we learn how to set boundaries and learn how to claim our own power not to abuse it but to at least you know stand up for ourselves when we need to and um and we reject the need to harm others because it doesn't achieve anything and uh and it makes more sense to to uh, find ways to be uh, treat them with respect and and love because they will they will respond in a positive way that actually leads to co-creative solutions right win-win type solutions so it's such a big subject to explore but but i think a lot of us are on that path and it's interesting how so many healers had abusive childhoods yeah and uh, I think, first of all, that one of the reasons for that is that as a spirit, we will choose an abusive experience because it opens our faculties. Yes, other, I believe other, that to be we true. Need them. Well. We need them for survival, right? We need well, it's, it's a part of, you know, uh, the instrument, right? Of choosing yeah. the instrument and, and acknowledging the scientist in us when we look at the the actual wiring of our nervous system as kids um it's important to to have those experiences so that um you know we have a an instrument that is sensitive yes exactly and, and it's kind of the nature versus nurture you know when when we look at it it's both yeah. and so you know i was having i think one of my future guests we were we were talking a little bit about um uh well if if all if if all humans undergo trauma and trauma is what makes you an empath then everybody would be an empath and it's like well you know there's trauma with a capital t trauma with the lowercase t but there's also spirit right and so it's not just about the trauma it's also about your karma yes and why yes. you're here and what lessons specifically you're here to learn and the role that you're here to play yeah. And so, but, but I can pretty much guarantee, um, like I've never met, first of all, I've never met a human who hasn't experienced trauma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I have not, I have yet to meet an empath or a sensitive who hasn't had some kind of, yeah. um, depending, and you know, again, there's yeah. all different kinds of trauma out there, but who haven't had traumatic experiences yeah. that, that really shaped their ability yeah. to perceive energy or, or have this, the sensitivity to, um, to even work with. Yeah. And, and in fact, uh, and then there are those who's, who develop their sensitivity, uh, they need it because they need it on an ongoing basis yeah. to protect themselves, right. To, 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 to scan the environment, to see if it's safe. Yeah. That's part and, of the nervous uh, system. Wiring exactly. I, I mean, and th these, our energy skills are natural part of us for that reason. I mean, animals have uh, very highly attuned energy yes. senses yeah. and that's, you know, that's because it's a survival sense, it's needed. And, um, and so those types of situations bring that out in us. Uh, I mean, everybody has that ability, we just don't use it, right? Or, or we've been taught to ignore it, or we were abused, and we shut off our sensitivity, because it was too painful to, 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 it, things were too scary to sense, right? You didn't want to, you didn't want to know that different people respond differently. In my case, I didn't know I was an empath until I was an adult. And um, I remember when I was first starting to um, go through the the healing aspect of my journey, and um, I took, and I was actually starting to take some training to become a past life therapist. And I had a, I fell asleep while I was on training. I that night I went to bed, and I woke up about two in the morning with the words, "I am an empath." coming through my head this is still mm -hmm. the engineer right i mean i was yeah. this is early on my journey and 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 it would have just been okay it's words but i started crying and i cry i couldn't stop crying i cried and i cried and i cried and i didn't know how to stop myself it was just like something that had been held back so long came gushing forth right all the emotions i hadn't allowed myself to feel and and uh, and i I, I cried for hours and I finally went to my instructor and, and woke her up and I I said, I can't stop crying. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and none of them believed me when I said it because you know they knew me as this this hard-minded yeah. engineer. And I said, I'm an empath. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but you knew you still knew. Well, uh, I would never have been crying for hours normally. That was so unusual for me that uh, I knew there was truth to it as a yeah. result because I'd never had that experience in my life before. So it's so uh, interesting. Yeah. For me, I didn't know until I was an adult either. And I actually had multiple people telling me that I was and I denied it again and again and again, like, you know, mentors or peers like oh it's sort of like how i felt about energy right that's bullshit yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then as i had my own kind of heart healing softening experiences with energy spiritual awakening reconnection with spirit and source and a healing of you know my relationship with god basically yeah um and open myself then you know there was no denying it <laughs> yeah like, that actually explains a lot <laughs> yeah I, I remember that when I started being curious I realized it, you know what whenever I go and see a movie afterwards you know you go to the ladies room and I look in the mirror and I'm shocked to see my own face looking back at me mm. and so I had merged with the, the character on the screen with the hero or heroine or uh, on the screen and identified with them 
And uh, and so when I went into, even though I knew who I was, there was that strange sense that that's yeah. me. And and then when I look in the mirror, I'm shocked to see it's not me looking back at me. I'm shocked to see that it's not that it's not them looking back at me. It's me. And so I, that's what got me curious about this, you know, this merging pattern, which which I, there are different types of empaths, but that was the way I experienced it was. Um, an unconscious merging with another. I think it ultimately came from infancy, trying to understand what others were thinking, right? So I could be, you know, could know how to respond. And um, and we develop some of these patterns just, again, as a survival thing and just because it's a necessity. And uh, But I never realized that it could affect you know me in that strange way so now i'm very aware of of that and i'm actively and consciously unmerging as soon as i detect it i'm unmerging and and retreating my energy back because i think that that's a very again it's a very common experience for empaths yes the merging of energy and yes kind of over identifying with other people's energetic yeah. and emotional fields so um again just you know from your perspective uh, what what is a good exercise or tool to help with the quick unmerging and disengagement? Okay. All right. So uh, what I do is, first of all, I um, imagine myself. Uh, well, the, the, one quick thing is to realize that you're you've got energy streamers going out to others, and and as I said, different people merge in, or have different. Uh, empathic experiences but this is for for the person who merges who goes to another person and, and is like seeing through their eyes kind of thing you you have energy streamers going out to those people and it's your consciousness going out to them that's what your streamers are part of your consciousness so the first thing you do is you stop the flow of energy just as if you're you know closing a faucet stop the flow of energy through those streamers and again this is this is for our listeners and just confirm that I'm speaking, yeah. speaking truthfully here or that I'm understanding, you know, whenever I'm working with energy and I think what Gail is suggesting here is really giving yourself permission to go into that state of imagination. Yes. And for some of that, it's, it's very easy for some of it's very easy to get into the state of visualizing. If visuals aren't easy for you, that's okay. You could speak it into your reality. Yep. You can write yeah, or it you into can, your reality. You can feel it. You yep, know, uh, even it. if you don't see it, you can just feel whatever whatever that connection with the other person feels like to you. Or the power of your intention yes. through imagination, whatever that's right, whatever sense that imagination is taking form through. Exactly, you're and, turning off the energy. Yes, you're so you're sensing you're sensing the existence of that connection between you and this other person that you've put in. That's your that you put in. Mm -hmm. So you're now stopping the flow of your consciousness in that you're you're stopping uh the energy flow so stop and then drop as if you're dropping a tennis ball so now you're dropping the connection with the, uh, the the connection with their mind and then you disconnect so you imagine yourself sort of so you drop the tennis ball you know you disconnect your energy from them gently and then you bring it back to yourself and one of the things i like to do when as i as i just disconnect from them is I kind of in my mind like namaste them so I'm honoring yeah. their their being as I as I disconnect from them and return because often you know I, I have to do this with healings as well right because I'm deeply 
uh, working with at a very deep level with the client's consciousness. So I do need to disengage. And so you you, you bring your and just imagine bringing your energy back to you, and then um, back to your own uh, field. And then what I like to do is I just like to take the energy I've brought back, and then I send it up to spirit to be blessed, purified, and healed. And then I return it back cleansed and that's that's something i like to do with that and um i love that you do that up to heaven plus purified and healed my instinct is to do it um to the core of the earth yes and so i do that and it's um to be to be recycled and repurposed for the highest perfect perfect you can do absolutely whatever feels right to you you'll you'll know it you know it'll just feel ah and and it's like Ah, there I am. Yeah. And inevitably, it's joy. Inevitably, I return yeah. to myself with joy. And then the other, and just relax, just let lighter. And the other thing I do is I'll also, if in case I've taken on somebody else's energy into my own field, mm-hmm. then what I'll do is I'll just imagine myself lifting, you know, like uh, lifting all that energy out. And then I send it up to, I, I refer to the Holy Spirit because I, I, uh, I'm a follower of this Course in Miracles, so yes, I yes. send it up to the Holy Spirit to be blessed, purified, and healed, and sent back to them clean. So, uh, cleaned and improved, so they get their energy yeah. back, uh, not keeping it. So that's the second way of doing it. You can, you can, um, but it was a while before I realized that it was actually my own energy I needed to bring bring back. So yeah. um, that one, the other one would be where I would release their energy back to them and then retrieve my own energy back to me. It depends on how how I've merged in the moment. But the, the key, it doesn't hurt to return their energy back to them in yeah. case you took some in, uh, you know, uh, took a little sip. Who knows? Energetically, uh, you send it back to them blessed. Right. Yeah. So uh, they're they benefit from having it returned and cleansed. And so to me, I do that because that makes me feel clean. And it also makes me feel like I've honored them as well. Yeah. And that that everything is nicely cleaned up. I love and that. yeah, and, and it, you have to do it a lot. You do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't always remember so to do it. In the, yeah, I don't always remember to do it in the moment. So I might, yeah. it might be hours before I realize, why am I feeling so yucky, you know, and, yeah. and, and I start judging myself and all that. And then it suddenly dawns on me. Oh, I merged. Okay. <laughs> you know? yes. I love that you're pointing that out. Because, you know, it is just ongoing that yeah. learning, right. And, and it's not, and we talk all the time, or I should say, I talk all the time about, you know, healing isn't linear, healing is a journey. And it is like, life is just this healing, learning experience. And even those of like Gail, y'all, she's been an energy practitioner for 25 years. And she has just shared with us that she still forgets, right? And <laughs> yes. so it's okay. Like, go easy on yourself. Like, especially if you're new to these it's, things, just give yourself yes. permission to, to try and experiment. Exactly. And, and, and um, that's right. Yeah. And it's a habit, right? It's, it's learning a new habit. It's so ancient. It's, you know, this, this habit of merging is from infancy. Yeah. And so it's very ingrained. It's very much in the unconscious. Instinctual, intuitive. That's right. So, you know, it takes a while to undo that many years of, of that. And, and, but it's getting closer and closer to the moment. So I'm, I'm pretty much most of the time I'm, I'm within seconds or within, you know, when, whenever I part from the other person, I will, I'll do a quick, quick cleanup. 
but also other times it's just too busy. You know, you've got too many things going on. You've got a meeting you got to go to and that sort of thing. You can't clear everybody you were in with the other meeting. So you just go and, and, and then I'll, you know, I'll do little repairs like with the, the heart thing to change my frequency and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So it, it really becomes an ongoing practice yeah. of, of becoming aware of your own energy, where it stands, whether you need to do a, uh, you know, unmerge, uh, whether you need to charge yourself up, all I of that stuff. Like a really good analogy, especially for folks who are newer in, in playing with and working with energy. It's, it's just like when uh, I have gone on like a, a nutritional journey, uh, where I'm learning that sometimes when my body is signaling to me in a way that feels like hunger, it actually means that I'm thirsty. Yes. Right. Yes. And so then, okay, well, maybe I'll drink some water first. Now that I think about it, I haven't really had that much water today. You know, I had a pretty good sized meal. Like, I don't know that actually the signals that I'm getting for hunger are really hunger. I think I might just be really, really thirsty. Mm-hmm. And then the more that I invite that question and that space for reflection, now I I don't get those signals confused. Like yeah. I know when I'm thirsty and I know when I'm hungry. Yes. Uh, but it took a really it took a period of time of like some really intentional space for me to, you know, learn the difference yeah. and, and get a sense and 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 increase the discernment. And so I think that really is just to, again, give yourself permission to play. Yes. Experiment because absolutely through that practice of, of playful experimentation. And again, being a curious observer that you'll start to, to fine tune and hone in your own discernment and what your sense experiences are with energy. Yeah. And actually it's like recreating what we should have learned as children. Totally. Right? We didn't, didn't have that opportunity, <laughs> but now we get to play with it and explore and learn from yeah. our experiments, right? And and I, I yeah, so my life is my lab, you know, ultimately. Yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that. My life is my lab. That is so you, Gail. <laughs> Oh, I, oh, I feel dear. like I need to have a t-shirt or a bus yeah. or right. something that has that <laughs> yeah. oh. And it makes it interesting. It makes your yes. life interesting, right? Because every moment you're learning something and, oh, that's it. Oh, that, when that happens. And, you know, I hear you about the water uh, connection with hunger and, and, and water or craving and sugar. I think in my case, because you know, sugar, I've, I've drank water so many times when I've been eating sugar that my brain is cross associated. Oh, uh, I'll make her uh, hungry or have a sugar craving so that she'll get some water, yeah. <laughs> which is what we really need, you know, but hey, whatever works. Sugar, yeah. It really is like, um, there's, there's so often I've associated it because my, my family, our relationship with food, um, my family is a family of unrealized empaths, but by the way, <laughs> mm, that makes sense. Um, but, and so one of the things that we do, um, when we're seeking comfort and, or emotional protection or insulation or connection is through food, like food mm-hmm. is sort of the great conduit of love in my family. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so again, it's just being curious and asking myself, like, if I'm craving sugar, like, what am I really looking for? And of course, 
there's chemical hormonal serotonin aspects of that as well. Um, But it's, it's just, I I love the phrase, my life is my lab, because it, it really, to me, I think, brings home what, what I talk about a lot, which we've touched on here as well, which, you know, emotions are just information. We don't, we've been taught to really place these value judgments on our feelings and our emotional states when really uh, just invite curiosity. Exactly. Your, your life is your lab and you're yeah. going to learn. And that's yeah. why we're here is to experiment and to learn and to evolve. And, um, and I'm just, I'm so excited to have been able to talk to you through some, oh, some, of, these, some of these experiments together. <laughs> and, and one of the, uh, I'll just mention one thing in my book, I have a whole uh, four appendices where I take things like emotions so this this book was written for somebody like who I was. You know, <laughs> close. Again, we're always our own so, first student, right? So, our own first client. Yeah. <laughs> so I kept it deliberately mainstream, so that it wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't mention the word chakra at all. So none of the more frightening terms to somebody who's like I was um, uh, are in there. It's there's nothing frightening about chakras, but uh, but to somebody somebody feels, who's anti yeah. who's woo phobic, yeah. it is. So mm-hmm. like I was, and um, so I, and I thought, well, we don't actually need to have the full, you know, energy anatomy explanation of things. We just need to know how to use our energy, right? And yeah, just like you totally. don't need to ha- know how your electronic ignition works in your car, you just need to drive it. Know how to drive <laughs> it, right? And so it's same and fill thing it up with, with fuel. Uh, exactly. You know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of it's like a handbook, and in that sense. So in the as part of my experiments, I was curious about well, what do the different emotions tell us? Is there are, do they have messages for us, and what might they really be trying to tell us? And so I in I have an appendix on the mess the mess energy messages oh, of yeah. of uh, emotions and of physical sen- experiences, mm. my, thoughts like types of thoughts that you might have. Um, thinking pattern mental patterns and uh and spiritual uh experiences things like despair is actually a spiritual experience it's not an emotion it's a spiritual experience mm. and it has a spiritual message and yeah. so um like for example under emotions if you're feeling um envy of someone else the the underlying message is you want that too yeah right and, totally. and you, you don't have to have what they've got, but you want something like that for yourself. So and just you don't have to have what it. they've got, and you don't have to wish them not to have. No, it exactly. It. It's just a, it's just your 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 emotions saying, "Ooh, I want that too." Except yeah. we take it as a negative thing. Uh, you know, I I hate them because they've got that, which is silly. There's more plenty and for everybody. You know? A little bit of you know religious programming too, right? When of we, course, we get the, the different narratives and stories that have been passed yeah. down in our families and in our culture around some of these denser, less uh, comfortable emotions and experiences that we have. Yes. So we'll avoid feeling that or we'll we'll talk ourselves out of it and that sort of thing. But in fact, it's if you just think of it as a balancing message. Yeah. Then you can take it as just information and and acknowledge the feeling. I want to feel the feeling as well, but then acknowledge that you had it and that it was there for a reason. And so let's find out what that reason might be. And so I went through all the different emotions that I could think of 
and um and and went to that type of level of analysis if you like and so um I like the, uh, and for me, because I judge myself for envy, and I remember thinking, oh, I want that too. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's okay to want something, right? You don't have to take it from them. You just need to say, okay, let's make plans to have this for me in my life. You know, and that's, it's suddenly you're empowered, right? You've changed your state. You're no longer feeling bad because you feel envious or because envy makes you feel helpless, right? Because they've got something that you don't have, and they've had, they've got all the luck. I never win the lottery, blah blah blah, you know. And and so um, when you realize, well, what is it ultimately that I I want? It helps you know what you want. So it's it's tapping. You said it so well, you know, that it really is. It's so empowering, and it's this moment of of, of and it, I still have those these moments because I get in a little bit of a, a victim energy or a dis- place of disempowerment. And and then I have that realization again, and I'm like, oh, I get to choose. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right? Exactly. And it's like this that, that practice of just creating space to tune in and invite inquiry. It's that continually just coming back to your own compass and, and realizing, like, I'm charting the course of my life, and I get to decide exactly how Where I go next that? and how many snacks I eat along the way and how many rest stops I have and yeah views I stop to look like, at and all of perfect, it right? perfect you get you get to choose the scenic route you don't have yeah, to take the no. expressway <laughs> <laughs> or if you want the expressway and then you, you can, know, do, that you can <laughs> do that too oh well I just I love I love the idea of your book again uh, for our listeners it's energy is real a practical guide for managing personal energy in daily life. Of course, I will link it in the episode notes. Thank you. Of course. And then Gail, um, you know, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, um, how would they best do that? And then, you know, of course, any other, I, I know you host workshops and just tell us what, if there are any other offerings or anything you're excited to share with the listeners about what you're up to these days. Well, I'm um, I'm in the process of preparing a Kindle version of the book. So right now it's only available in paperback, but my, very soon it will be available in Kindle. And so I'll be, you know, letting people who know, want to know uh, that it's available when it is uh, ready to launch as a Kindle. So uh, that makes it nice and portable. Yeah, it was a little tricky because it's got illustrations in it, right? And yeah, that makes it yeah. a little trickier. But, but I'm feeling uh, excited about that coming um close to being released and um i don't have any workshops at the moment but i will probably be planning some uh, in the coming year so uh, i i'm a certified brennan healing science workshop leader as well so that's if for those who want to learn more about the energy anatomy side of things how how energy uh plus plus uh, skills for charging your field that way um those who want to do a deep dive into energy, then uh, those workshops will be good for that. And and, and so can I they find that on your website. Yeah, they'll. Uh, that's right. I'll be post- my website is called energyisreal.com, all one word. And um, the if they are interested in getting updates, news updates, they can uh, sign up for the newsletter and they'll get a free sample of the first chapter of the book. Oh, great! So they get, so they'll get a, the free first chapter of the book for free and it contains six exercises uh to help people develop their energy awareness so mm. uh 
so that's kind of a nice thing to, um, even if they don't get the whole book, at least they can learn that. And, um, and there's six recordings for, available for free, one for each of those exercises on the website uh, under the free resources tab. And um, so if they, and then I can keep them posted about the, the Kindle book and any other events, you know, like, um, like workshops and that sort of thing. And yeah. And if they want to contact me personally, they can use my um, contact form on my website and then. And of course I'll link your website in the episode thank you. as well. Absolutely. Gail, thank you so much. Um, I, I will say, I know we've, we've talked a lot about the science um, in your engineer background uh, at one point while we were talking, I saw uh some wings appearing oh. behind you. Um, so just to share that, uh, and just for our listeners, Thank Neil, you. Neil just has a really beautiful energy and I'm so appreciative of you coming in Thank you. your experience and your, uh, your mulched wisdom, as I like to call it. Um, and uh, of course, I'll link all the ways to connect with you. And I'll, I'll close out the episode as I always do with a reminder for myself, for you, Gail, and for our listeners that you're doing the best you can where you're at with what you've got and i love you oh thank you and i really appreciate you (laughs) bye bye bye